It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Like me, I'm watching at home like you. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football, watching. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today we get started with a John Ross trade request that hit the news cycle today. And what that means for the Bengals, a team that clearly looks to have moved on from Ross and Ross now ready to move on from the team. Maybe he feels like he's held hostage a little bit in Cincinnati. Unclear on the path back to the playing field. We all thought he would play more last week with the injuries, and then he only got one snap. Clearly not a part of this team's plan right now. Then it's the mailbag. We've got a bunch of questions from you, the frustrated Bengals fans and our dedicated listeners. We appreciate you sticking with us through this tough year to be a Bengals fan. Looking for some answers. A lot of you are, and we'll give you the answers that we can in segments two and three of today's show. But James, we're going to get started with one of your favorite Bengals, John Ross, as it looks like his time in Cincinnati is coming to a close. John Ross, not a part of the Bengals game plan, despite being active on Sunday against the Colts. And the writing is just on the wall at this point. He's not being used. It doesn't seem like this coaching staff has any plans to use him. And after an offseason of hype, and really he wasn't that bad last year, he had flashes. This is a disappointing look that looks like it's going to be the end of John Ross's tenure in Cincinnati. I hate this, but it is true. It it does feel like that it's the end. And honestly, Jake, I'm frustrated because I feel like he was never given a a full chance, but he needs to go somewhere where he can potentially be utilized. And John's not done himself any favors. He's struggled. He's had confidence issues. He's had drops. He's been inconsistent. Right. All of those things. It's easy to admit. He would admit it had injuries, but this year, If I would have told you on September 1st that he would have seven receptions and stay healthy outside of the one week with an illness, be a healthy scratch for two weeks and get one snap, one of two things would have happened. Either A.J. Green was the best receiver on the planet along with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd or I don't know what because I wouldn't have believed it. And that's the reality. And it's a damn shame. And I know I'm being long winded here, but I I look at the lack of benefit of the doubt or chances that he got this season. And then I watched Mike Thomas drop two balls on Sunday and have a fumble the week before that was returned for a touchdown. And he was still active and he was still getting chances. And it's just, it's weird. It's a weird dynamic. And uh, hopefully if they do trade him, he ends up in a good spot. 
but it, it uh, who knows? Who knows with this franchise if it's going to happen? But I, I certainly hope he gets his chance, whether it's in Cincinnati or elsewhere. There is a trend that we've talked about on the Lockdown Bengals podcast, James, of the Cincinnati Bengals current coaching staff going with their guys to their detriment or to their benefit. And in some cases, I've said this on the podcast, I believe some of these coaches are staking their careers, at least in Cincinnati, on these players. And the track record in Cincinnati for these coaches is not necessarily going to make them attractive candidates elsewhere at the NFL level, at least at the positions that they're currently in. And John Ross is the latest example of a guy that has found himself not to be one of this coaching staff's guys and is on the outs. Other guys in that same situation could be guys like Darius Phillips. Hard to say. He's still getting some run, but split time with LaShawn Sims against the Colts. Obviously, Billy Price seems to fit that bill. Fred Johnson may or may not fit that bill. We don't know exactly what's happening in practices. We don't know exactly who looks like they're the best player and then maybe they don't show up on Sunday the same way. But at some point, with Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins both reportedly unhappy as veterans to add to the list, these coaches need to start producing. And this is a tired story at this point. On the other side of the coin, James, one veteran that is producing at a high level is A.J. Green, and that would make losing John Ross a little more palatable. He showed that he can play at a high level against the Colts. He was on PFF's Team of the Week. He had his best game in a few years. Obviously, he hasn't played in a few years. By far the best game of the season. And if he can do that the rest of the way and be a guy out there along with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, then suddenly the wide receivers at the top of the depth chart look a whole lot better. They absolutely do. And, and Jake, that's the thing here. Is, and that's why maybe you would have wanted to see a little more Ross instead of Thomas so you could evaluate him because – what if Green plays well and you get a significant trade offer for him and it makes you stop? I'm not saying it's likely, but what if, what if he has 120 yards against the Browns and, and then he goes out against the Titans and has eight more catches and suddenly he's rolling three weeks in a row against some good defensive backs and, and now the, the trade deadline is, is here and New England offers you uh, a day two pick, right? It sounds like a no-brainer, but if you don't know what Ross is, if you want to continue Joe Burrow's development and – you don't want to completely flatten out the, the, the wide receiver room, then, then maybe you hesitate. So that, that to me, I agree. I think Green emerging would be huge. I mean, think about the trio. If you have Green, Higgins, and Boyd, and they're all on, firing on all cylinders, you feel pretty good about that wide receiver room with Auden Tate and, and Mike Thomas coming off the bench there. At the same time, it's twofold. If that is the case, then don't you want to get something for John Ross anyways instead of just leaving him on the bench potentially? And the only way you're going to do that is, is playing him because I don't think you're going to get much for him. But I agree with you. It was good to see Green out there and producing for the first time in, a, in quite a while. For the future of this team, I'm not sure how much A.J. Green is part of the conversation or not right now. I think that he will be an attractive trade chip if he continues to play well for this front office, at least if there are takers on the other side. We'll talk a little bit about some of the trade value of some of the players on this team in our mailbag coming up next as you're just as curious as we are as to how this trade deadline is going to pan out. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line or... 
Could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's keep things rolling here on Locked On Bengals. It's our favorite time of the week. No, we're not talking about John Ross. Unless you ask about him, it's our weekly mailbag. Make sure you follow at Locked On Bengals on Twitter to get your questions in every single week where you can ask them there. Let's start with Commissioner Yaz, one of the big Bengals fans out there and She asked, Jake, would you rather have a vision like that's so Raven before every game knowing what the final score is and be able to watch it in real time or have to wait a full hour after it ends to be able to watch the entire thing? Yaz had to send us three questions before we got to one that that we could answer. Her first question, James, was, would you rather have McDonald's fries or Jack in the Box fries? Have you ever had Jack in the Box fries? I have. There's one like 10 minutes from me. I would rather have McDonald's fries. Okay. So James was able to answer that one. I've never eaten a Jack in the Box. I don't know if it was in Cincinnati when I lived there or not. I think there might've been one when I lived in Seattle, but they uh, never made it onto my, my dinner plate or lunch plate. And then she asked, do you like iced coffee or hot coffee? And neither of us do a ton of coffee drinking. No, we don't. And in fact, I'll, I'll tell you right now, You have your coffee, any kind, iced, hot, mocha, latte, frappuccino, any of those. You know what I want? Some ice water and a Built Bar. That's what I want for breakfast. And a Built Go for that caffeine, right, James? So Commissioner Yaz's question today, I would rather have a vision before the game to know what the final score was and watch it in real time. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would rather because a big part of enjoyment for me and watching Bengals games is interacting with people on social media because there's nobody around me to watch football games with. I'm in the West coast of Canada. Nobody here gives a shit. Sorry. Cares about the Bengals at all. And uh, I'm not going to try to evangelize that because, you know, people here just don't really care about American football and why should they? So, so for me, I want to keep having that interactive bit instead of like, I'd have to wait a full hour till after it ends. I would find out what the score was anyway. I wouldn't be able to stop looking at Twitter. Yeah, I I, uh, agree with you, the vision part. And here's why. It's actually something that uh, I would have really liked to use on Sunday against the Colts so I could have known that Zach Taylor was going to put in some Maj P. Ryan 
on third and one and then kick a field goal with the game on the line when he didn't have to go to Samaj P. Ryan. So it wasn't such a shock because that's the most ridiculous play call in the history of the world. It would only be the final score, though. You wouldn't know how they got there. Have a vision before every game. Know what the final score. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah, I'm still fine with that. But dang it, I want to be able to tell Zach Taylor that that was an idiotic play call before he makes it. See, I got your back, Bengals fans. See, I, I could use that power. Nope. Z- Zach, are you sure you want to do this call here because you lose 31 to 27? I heard it. I, I saw seen, it. I've seen enough time travel movies to know that's not how time travel works. I guess it might depend a little bit on what time travel movie it is. You know what I would do? I would know the final score, and then I'd place my bets. And I would be rich. <laughs> that, that now that is why you unequivocally pick that first option, and then you go to jail somehow for like insider bet. I don't know, Commissioner Yaz. Thanks for the question. We're gonna have Yaz on the podcast one of these days, James. As we are with several other prominent Bengals fans out there in the community, we hope uh, when when news slows down a little bit, maybe during the bye week, we'll get some some folks on here to hear from some people that might have some different perspectives, might have a different audience than we have. Expand our horizons, expand your horizons, expand everyone's horizons, expand everybody's brains. Next question, though, comes from Kevin Jacobson on Twitter, at KJacobson. When interviewing coaches, James, how do you balance asking hard questions without destroying any interpersonal rapport that you've built up? Well, yeah, you you can't... You can't go into it. And so many fans are like, ask Zach Taylor why he doesn't do this. And look, he's a person. And Marvin was a person. And Luana Rumo's a person. And Brian Callahan, they're people. Every player is. And so there's a certain level of respect that you're just going to, to carry. Um, and, and that's just part of it. And whether you agree or disagree, like, for example, I wrote on Tuesday, I wrote a very fair column about Zach Taylor ripping him for his lack of communication or the communication issues he's having with his players. And even though I did that, that doesn't mean I'm going to go into Wednesday's news conference with an agenda, you know, with anger or with any kind of animosity towards him. That's my opinion of him. That's my job to give my opinion and, and to be fair. And so when I ask him questions and I did, for example, last week, ask him how he balances coaching these young guys with some of the veterans that clearly he's having some issues with. So I, I think that you, you just, there's a way you can phrase things and whether he, they answered or not, that's, you know, that's up to them, but you have to know that if you go at them, it's their press conference and it's just going to make you look bad. Mm-hmm. And, and so there, there's, there's a certain respect that you want to care regardless of how bad you think the coach is or how great the coach is or whatever that you want to carry yourself with. And this isn't just NFL. Like I, I, I asked a question to Greg Popovich, who's one of the, one of the guys that will embarrass you. When I was covering the Cavs, I, I asked the, the Spurs head coach, you know, there, there are guys like these, the Bill Belichick of the NBA, but worse. I mean, he makes you look bad if he has something silly. So you just have to, to carry yourself a certain way uh, and you try to ask good questions. And that's why there are times when I don't ask anything. Because I don't feel like I have a, a really good question. So I just kind of sit there and listen. And then if, I, if something comes to mind, then I ask. And if not, then I don't. I've had the opportunity to talk to Zach Taylor twice. And the thing for me that you have to remember is no matter how much fans are like, you got to put you got to put these coaches feet to the coals. You got to You got to put Duke Tobin's feet to the fire. One, 
These guys are very good at controlling press conferences. Both of them, Zach Taylor and Duke Tobin, both of them excellent at controlling what they want to say. They're not going to give you something that they don't want to give you. You're not going to trick them. You're, you're, if you ask a hard question like, is a play calling just bad? You're not going to get a satisfactory answer. And, and so you have to keep that in mind. The other thing is they're humans. Everybody's human out here, man. And, and you treat humans with respect. And, and I think that that's a pretty important way to go about doing your job, go about doing it with empathy. And then the last thing is for me personally, if I do want to ask a hard question, you just, I think you, you have an opportunity depending on the context, because in press conferences, you don't have it. If you have a one-on-one interview, you can talk about things with a little bit more context, right? Mm-hmm. On third and four to six of the season, you guys are only converting at 27%. The NFL average for that situation in that down and distance is 55%. What specifically is going wrong in, in those third and shorts, third and mediums, right? Like you could, you can talk about things that way where you're, you're pointing out a failure. You're pointing out something that that coach is not happy with. And, and you're doing it in such a way that I think it gives them a chance to answer the question. So I think that you can do both of those things. You can ask hard questions if you do it the right way. And if you've built that relationship and I don't have as much experience, James, as with these guys as you do, I only have had limited contact, but Hey, Zach Taylor said we were doing a good job. So, you know, I'll take that. Yeah. And you're right. It's, it's a balance. That's just, that's the reality of it. And vice versa. Look, I guarantee you there are things I've written and said, and not just me, any member of the media, I'm not saying I'm special, but that, that the Bengals haven't liked. I know there are multiple times I made Marvin mad or Vontez mad or guys like that. And guess what? That's just, that's the reality of it. And they didn't come at me. I guess Vontez did once, but they didn't come at me angry and disrespectful, right? Marvin never did that or singled me out or tried to embarrass me because that's not what we're there for. And there's a certain level of respect that comes with it. All right. Kyle Smith on Twitter asks, what's your ideal trade scenarios for any of the, speaking of Marvin, Marvin era players, that are rumored to be frustrated with their time or current game plan. So this is what John Ross, Gino Atkins, Carlos Dunlap. And we haven't heard much about the Gino thing, really. Like Carlos Dunlap, very public about it. John mm-hmm. Ross today, we hear about the trade request. Gino Atkins, I don't think we're going to hear much. I mean, it just doesn't seem like the kind of guy Gino is. He's not going to go to the press himself. You, If he gets to a point where he asks for a trade... You might hear that from his agent, but Gino is a, a pretty private guy for the most part. I know he interacts a little bit with some people on Instagram, but he's not out there interacting with the media and he's not a hugely public personality. So we're never going to really know. But asking about those guys specifically, I think that for, for Carlos Dunlap and Gino Atkins, Carlos hasn't played as well this year, but I, I think that, I mean, we're, we're not very far removed from him being an elite player in the NFL. I think he still has it in him. And I think that that's what I would try to sell if I was the Bengals. I'd try to get a fourth rounder, fifth rounder for for Dunlap, third or fourth for Atkins. Both of them have pretty expensive contracts, and there is the possibility that they're just on the wrong side of 30. So that does diminish their trade value a little bit. But Dunlap and Atkins are also both controlled, and you'd be eating all of the dev money. So if another team that you're trading them to had to cut them, that's very low risk for that receiving team. For John Ross, we talked about this a little bit earlier, not as much trade value. He hasn't been very good in the NFL. He He's flashed. He certainly flashed. He saw, saw a great video of the play where he posterized Marlon Humphrey today, 
one of the mm-hmm. one of his best plays in a Bengals uniform. But so good, yeah. It, you know, he he doesn't have much trade value right now. That didn't happen last week. You know that that happened a long time ago at this point. So I'll take whatever I can get for Ross. Player for player trade. I saw somebody float an idea like Josh Jackson, a cornerback in Green Bay. Sure, find it. Find a player that didn't work out somewhere. And that that maybe you liked in the draft, and try to do a trade for player for player. Give John Ross a fresh start. Give that player a fresh start. I, I kind of like that idea more than a six round pick. Would you trade him for David Njoku? The the if if Njoku wasn't on the Browns, then yes. But because he's because you don't want to give Ross to the Browns. If Ross works it out on his next team, you know he he finds a way to stay healthy and he he yeah. drives with the coaching staff. I don't want to deal with that. And and right now the problem in Cleveland seems to be Baker Mayfield, and they might put the, they might have themselves in QB purgatory a little bit. So so maybe it doesn't matter too much. But the the Browns, if they are stuck with Baker, are still going to be like an eight and eight team for the next few years at least. You know, if not a little bit better. Yeah. No, I I think honestly that would be for him. A, I think a really good spot. You're talking about a good coach. It seems exactly. like a, a good offensive mind. And OBJ and Jarvis are going to command all the attention, you know. But, yeah, I, I don't know if I would do it either because w- what are you getting in on, out of Njoku? Eight games and then then what? You're declining his fifth-year option? What if he gets injured? Now you're stuck with it because that's something that the Browns exercise. So I wouldn't do it. It was just something that was tossed out. As for Atkins and Dunlap, I don't know if the value is that high. I think maybe fours for them. Right, I, I I hope it's higher than that, but yeah, that's what I but, said. But yeah, yeah, no, I know. I I, I just mean in general, like oh, okay. because I I think some people, like Carlos Dunlap a year ago, you're probably thinking a three, even though he had struggled at the beginning of the year, and then he had that surge to end the year, and it, it's crazy to me because I I agree with you. I think he still has it in him, and I think he has value, and there will be teams that say all right let's give up a fourth or let's give up a fifth and then if we have to move on from these guys we will uh there is a little uncertainty with the salary cap next year so i think that could play a role in their value as well since they are under contract and with ross if you do decide to trade him you're right it's for uh conditional sixth conditional seventh and i do think there are going to be some coaches that are willing to roll the dice on his talent for that price because again that's nothing that if, if he works out for three games and makes a catch or two in the playoffs. That's worth a conditional seventh round pick. I believe that that's true. I believe that there are some coaches that and teams and quarterbacks that could utilize Ross in a way that he's not getting the run in Cincinnati or maybe not. I mean, but I think there are some coaches that are going to believe that they can. I agree with that. We'll finish out the mailbag with a few more of our listener questions. And we got a lot today. You guys are active out there, and we appreciate that. Each and every one of you, even if we didn't get your question this week, I did read all of them, and I appreciate all of that interaction. We'll finish up the mailbag coming up next. Jake, I'm getting a little hungry, and I can't wait to finish up this podcast because I'm going to crush a cookies and cream built bar. You guys hear us talk about them all the time. The number one protein bar on the planet. I love these things. They're amazing. They come in 18 different flavors. They taste great. And the best part is they fit your macros. So whether you're bulking up, whether you're trying to cut, whether you're working on that summer body, which is made right now in the fall and winter, Built Bar is the protein bar for you. They're packed with protein, low in sugar. Check them out right now 
at BuiltBar.com. Go there, BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. A healthy life includes a healthy sex life, but if you struggle with erectile dysfunction, you may not feel like your best self. If you want help with ED, Roman connects you with a real U.S. licensed healthcare professional who can prescribe you the medicine you need. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn and complete an online visit. ED used to be tough to talk about, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn to get $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for $50 off your first month of ED treatment. GetRoman.com slash locked up. James, let's wrap up our weekly mailbag. We've got so many questions here. We're not going to be able to get to all of them, unfortunately. But our next question comes from another fan that a lot of you probably know. He has a really great orange suit of armor. He is the Bengalorian. His question this week, James, is what the hell is going on? No, it's not that. He, he said he's kidding. What are your thoughts on Joe Burrow's current mental state? Do you think he can address the perceived chaos in the locker room right now as a team captain? Or is this really on the coaches? It's on the coaches. I don't really know. Here's the problem is like, yeah, Burrow can can help get guys together and working hard, specifically on offense. But Dunlap's only going to do so much if he feels disrespected. Right. And I, I think what he my big takeaway long term or out of that whole what was it, Instagram live session on Monday night was that Dunlap is going to do what the coach has asked for, asked of him. And hopefully they honor him by getting him the hell out of here. <laughs> and, you know, not that he doesn't like Cincinnati, but clearly he's upset about his role. And, you know, Joe Burrow, that puts him in an awkward spot because that's the business side. And that's the thing here. I don't think these guys are trying any less hard right now. I think they're frustrated with the the communication uh, between the coaching staff and the players and their role potentially and, you know, things like that. But I don't think it's an an effort thing. So if it was an effort thing overall where guys were just showing up late to practice or showing up up late to film sessions or not – coming uh you know jumping on the zooms on time stuff like that i think bro could address it specifically on offense but outside of that it it is on the coaches and and i just think that's that's sort of where it is as bro gets more skins on the wall you know tom brady can call out the entire tampa bay offensive line anytime damn time he wants right on thursday night football on a zoom it doesn't matter bro's just not there yet and he'll be there in a couple of years hopefully if they could protect him but he's just not there yet i feel like his personality doesn't really go that way either he's like a head down hard work kind of guy. He he's not not vocal. Like he he definitely isn't shy about speaking up when he thinks it's the right thing to do. But I don't think that he is the guy that is going to and maybe this is a problem. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is just an issue with coaching staff. But across the NFL, teams that have success, coaches that have success generate buy-in from their players. 
Mike Zimmer did it with the Bengals defense when he was in Cincinnati. You know, the Andy Reeds of the world, Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, uh, Brian Flores reportedly down in Miami, uh, Kyle Shanahan out in San Francisco. These guys get universal buy-in. Regardless of how good or bad the team is, regardless of how their scheme works, the team believes in what they're doing. And right now in Cincinnati, there is a clear disconnect from the players and the coaches where the the players don't all believe in Zach Taylor's vision. You heard Carlos Dunlap. He, he didn't say much in his Instagram live, but he did say the Cincinnati Bengals, Zach Taylor has a vision for what they want. And they're actively going after it. The implication, of course, being that he is not part of that vision for, for better or for worse. And that means that he and some of these other veterans in that locker room haven't bought into Zach Taylor's plan, haven't bought into Luana Rumo's plan, or, or I guess Al Golden's plan with reports today, uh, Elise Jesse, who has moved off the Cincinnati beat, uh, telling us that, she, that she's heard from the Bengals locker room that Al Golden is the guy calling the plays on third down for the defense. Just an interesting little tidbit there. So do I think that that's Joe Burrow's responsibility? No. Do I think that if he was, I mean, does he buy into Zach Taylor's plan? That is a question that I have. I, I, I don't know the answer. I don't think we're ever going to get that answer. But it's, uh, it, it's certainly something to think about. It's something that I wish we had the answer to. And I just don't think that uh, there's, there's a way to ask that question that'll get the answer that we're looking for. Sure. And I, I think as, you know, if the losing continues, it's harder and harder for a guy yeah. like Burrow to, to buy into someone like Zach Taylor. Dean asks, and this is right in line with Taylor, will a new head coach really matter? Mike Brown, the Blackburns, took over in 1991, hired Duke in 99. Their record without Marvin, 58 and 155, zero playoff appearances. They're 189 and 277, including Lewis, 98 games under 500. Will a new head coach really matter? Well, this is this is the question, isn't it? I I do not know the answer. I, I, I wanted to include this in the mailbag partially because I want to get thoughts from, from others out there. there. There were some other questions like, if you were to suddenly become the owner of the Bengals today, what would you do? And what would I do? It would, it would be totally cleaning house. I would set up a modern NFL personnel front office department and, and I would find people that trusted data that had a good sense for film, were, 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 had, a, had a track record as proven evaluators. I would pay them well. And I would let them run the football decisions in the organization. And that is something that is missing with the Bengals. Uh, they, they, they have scouts. They have a GM in, in fact, if not in name, in Duke Tobin. But none of that has been successful for a long stretch of time. And, and to Dean's point here, the best stretch they had was under Marvin Lewis, who was, you know, roughly 500 as a coach, right? Maybe a little bit better, maybe a little bit. I don't remember what Marvin's record was in Cincinnati. He was over 500. So I'm looking it up now. Outside of Marvin, there hasn't really been success with this ownership with this front office. And in any other team, I think you would see the GM on the outs at this point. James, give me your quick thoughts before we get to a couple more questions before we have to wrap up. He was 131, 122, and three. Yeah, the head coach matters because if you think Joe Burrow's the guy, you get the coach, everything changes. Look at the Colts pre Peyton Manning, post Peyton Manning. Even if Burrow isn't Manning, if you find the right coach, maybe you can maximize him and, and get to the the 
area, the championships, the level that you want to get to, this idea that it doesn't matter and it's all on the Browns, I don't think that's necessarily true. And they need to find a way uh, to push the right buttons and get the right person in there. If it isn't Taylor, which it doesn't feel like it is, but you never know. Maybe it changes and it is. Yeah, it's important to note that there is time left in the season. And you make a good point, James, that if they do happen to find the right guy, maybe they're maybe they're good for a while. And they did this with Marvin Lewis. But my feeling is that long-term, there needs to be an overhaul in the organization. And, and just a coach isn't going to change that. Our next question, though, comes from Max Alfonso, at MaxAlfonso15 on Twitter. This is a very important question, James. Is Clark Harris the answer at long snapper? <laughs> nope. Big long snapper controversy. I think Billy Price needs to get a shot. It's ridiculous that he hasn't yet. He's a first rounder and he still hasn't gotten a shot to be the long snapper. I think Clark Harris is a great long snapper and he has great hair and I will not tolerate Clark Harris slander in this podcast. Last question, James Kasha on Twitter at, I don't know actually how to pronounce your Twitter handle Kasha. So I'm not going to try If it were up to you, James, would you give Zach Taylor a chance and keep him for the rest of the season? Or would you just say, you know what? Let's make Darren Simmons a head coach for an interim basis and let's make Brian Callahan the play caller. Wow. Shake it up. Shake it up. No, I look, I think that the guys are still playing hard. We saw last year that, that Zach could still get the guys ready each and every week, unless something really crumbles. I mean, re- I mean, they were up 21, nothing on the Colts. Unless something really crumbles. I'm okay with Taylor coaching the rest of the year. The last thing you want is Joe Burrow to have his third head coach in his 17th game, <laughs> right? Like that's, I, and I get it would be an interim thing, but I, I would try to avoid that. So, no, I'm fine. At least as of now, there's been no – I haven't seen anything that would lead to, to Taylor getting fired midseason. I don't think he deserves that. It will be very hard for Joe Burrow, I think. I think that's, like, the most important point. But here's where I draw the line. If If we see Joe Burrow's habits deteriorating, and honestly I'm starting to see little, little glimpses of it, and I talked about this earlier, maybe yesterday, maybe two days ago. The pocket presence, he, he's expecting pressure now, even when he has good protection. Happened a couple times against the Colts. And that can't happen. That, that's a deterioration of habits that if that continues and, and, and it worsens in the next few weeks, I'm looking at making a change in the bye week. And that's it. Because the most important thing is obviously right now Joe Burrow's development and whether or not he's going to be the long-term answer for the Bengals at quarterback. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow as the Bengals are back at practice with the latest updates from pressers, from uh, the injury report, and we'll start to think about the Cleveland Browns again already. We have to think about the Cleveland Browns again. They come to Cincinnati this weekend. 12,000 of you fans allowed in the stands in Paul Brown Stadium this week. So there are some things to be excited about coming up in the future. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 